following lecture was produced by the Gnostic Academy of Chicago, a nonprofit organization, and is one of many available for podcast, download, and transcription. You can visit chicagonosis.org to find courses, articles, scriptures, commentaries, and other valuable resources that address a wide variety of spiritual subjects, interests, and needs. Through the generous support of listeners like you, the Gnostic Academy of Chicago has produced online courses, lectures, and articles freely available worldwide. If you have benefited from this knowledge, help humanity through making a tax-deductible donation at chicagonosis.org. If you are interested in attending the Gnostic Academy of Chicago in person, you may view our online class schedule and freely register at meetup.com slash chicagonosis. The Chicagoland Gnostic Academy provides humanity with the necessary means for transforming suffering and acquiring personal knowledge of the divine. With this purpose in mind, we now begin the lecture. May all beings be happy. So the emperor, the fourth arcanum of the tarot, indicates to us our innermost divinity, our inner being, our innermost God. And as we've been discussing throughout this course, the Kabbalah, we've been speaking about the tree of life, which is a representation of our psyche, a map of consciousness. And in this image, we see that the fourth sephira or sphere from the top of the tree of life is our spirit, chesed, the innermost. The previous three arcana, laws, cards of the tarot that we discussed indicated with exactitude the law of three above, the trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, which in Kabbalah is known as Keter, Chokmah, Binah. These three forces in nature create give life and from this top trinity emerges the spirit chesed the topic of our discussion today so chesed amongst the kabbalists has been associated in different ways but astrologically speaking relates to jupiter and also relates to mars our inner being is the one who must conquer our inner psyche who must control the elements earth, air, fire, water, that exists within our interior. The inner emperor, our inner spirit, chesed, mercy in Kabbalah, is our innermost divinity, who uh, is Martian in nature. He needs to fight within our soul to liberate our soul, to liberate our consciousness. He does it primarily through controlling the four elements, And as we've been discussing, the number four, as well as the other arcana, are intuitive principles. There's laws in nature, which are eternal, represented by Torah, the law, or Torah, Tarot, in Hebrew and in the Egyptian traditions. We also discussed how, in order to receive help from our inner divinity, we must learn to become practical magicians, in relation to the first card. We are initiating a new way of life, a practice, a discipline, 
by introspecting into our psyche and learning to understand the elements therein. Likewise, with the Arcanum II, we are working with the feminine principle, the Divine Mother, the priestess. For every priest has his priestess in terms of magical ceremony in relation with the three forms of magic, which are elemental magic, ceremonial magic, and sexual magic in relation to the lower three sephirah or lower uh, trinity of the tree of life. Mind, natsach, hod, emotions, yasod, vitality, in their respective order. So a magician is a being that knows how to work with those three types of sciences in depth. He does so through his priestess, the Divine Mother, the Divine Feminine. And with the unification of those two forces, we have the third force, which is the Empress of the Tarot. She is the Christified soul, a soul that is fully illuminated, divine, perfected. So that number three relates to creation, and from those three forces of man and woman, husband and wife, we generate our spiritual force. We generate the development of the emperor within us. So the emperor is our inner spirit, our being, our divine spark that emanates from the top trinity of the tree of life. We in our internal constitution are represented by the Hebrew letter Dalet on the top right corner of the image of the card. We spoke previously about how Gimel, the third Hebrew letter, represents a rich person, a rich man, a noble, etc. Dalet is the opposite, signifying a poor person, which is where we get words such as darvish, dervish, symbolic of a poor person, a fakir. We are dalet. We are the poor person seeking the riches of divinity through meditation and through the three forms of magic we discussed. Elemental magic, which is precisely the work with plants, working with the soul and creatures of nature through certain rituals and practices in which we command those souls to work for us. Likewise, ceremonial magic teaches us the Eucharist to receive the forces of transubstantiation of the Christic force in the world of Hod. The previous form of magic, elemental magic, relates to Netzach, the mind. Hod relates to ceremonial magic. And Yesod, the vital force, relates to creative sexual magic between husband and wife. So we are the poor person. We are destitute. If we are honest and examine our psyche, what we carry within our mind, our heart, our body, what is our level of being, we ask ourselves frequently. Who are we in a given instant? Do we know divinity directly? If we're sincere, we analyze that we do not have divinity developed inside. We are poor, and this is why Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And so it is necessary to be humble to receive knowledge. Be humble to, in order to obtain enlightenment. And upon obtaining enlightenment, be humbler still. So to access the spirit itself, we work with certain forms of magic. We work with meditation, as we discussed in the first arcana of the Tarot, the magician. But here with the uh, emperor, 
we were talking about a spirit that is in full command of his lower elements, the lower parts of himself. For the tree of life teaches us that we are in Malkut, this physical body, the bottom of the tree of life. The spirit is above the seventh sephirah from the bottom to the top. From him unfolds Geburah, which is consciousness, the divine part of our soul that is feminine, that never mixes with impurity. We are a part of Tifereth, a fraction of will that has emanated and descended down these different levels of modalities of energy, consciousness, and experience. We have mind, of which we are familiar with, our thoughts, concepts, etc. We have hod, our feelings, our sentiments, our emotions. We have yasod, our vitality. And we have malkut, our physical body. We are in this physical plane, in malkut, which means kingdom. We can also say it means empire. And so the emperor above, the spirit, has said, must learn to control through his consciousness, exerting itself upon will. And that willpower must obey divinity, must learn to control thought, feeling, instinct, sensation, impulse in our physical body. He must conquer this lower kingdom in order to become an emperor, be in full mastery of himself. And by spirit, to be absolutely clear, we mean God, divinity, who never mixes, or is, mixes with any type of fault, who is perfect in himself. But he wishes to acquire more knowledge of himself by commanding these lower sephiroth spheres. And we, as a soul in Malkut, in order to ascend, we must first learn to descend, to comprehend our errors, to change them, to eliminate them our defects, etc. For as the uh, book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 4 states, Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. This is from verse 4 of chapter 40. So our spirit precisely uh, has all the qualities of richness, of beatitude, of peace, of wisdom, of knowledge and experience, whom we seek to fully develop in us through practical works. And in this card, we see that the emperor sits upon a cubic stone. Our spirit sits upon this perfected stone known as Yasod in the Kabbalah, the foundation of our spiritual temple. Within that stone, we find a cat. A cat is a lunar creature. We know that cats like to prowl about at night. They're most active in the nocturnal hours. And therefore, this cat represents the creative energies of Yasod, because Yasod in Kabbalah is, is related to the moon. This power represented by a cat is the creative sexual energy, which the emperor, the, uh, the, the real being within us, sits upon. That stone is cubic perfected, chiseled, meaning that energy has been fully refined through the work of sexual alchemy between husband and wife. He sits with a hat that resembles an alchemical furnace from the medieval tradition with a still represented above that um, curvature of his hat, his bonnet, 
the base representing the chakra muladhara amongst the Hindus, which is where the sacred fire of Devi Kundalini rests in sleep and waits to be awakened between husband and wife. We have the curvature of the hat representing the, you could say, the furnace in which the fire of the creative energy rises and it's a symbol of our body as a chimney, as a temple, contains within it the sacred fire in which can be elevated from sex up to the brain into a distillery, which in alchemical traditions or the laboratory of the alchemist, a distillery represents the brain in which that refined element, that purified metal, that purified substance illuminates the mind. The brain is the distillery in which receives the creative sexual potential. The four corners of his bonnet represent the four elements. And in order for an emperor to be seated upon his throne within our psyche, which is our spinal column, the emperor must be in command of our air, our fire, our water, and our earth, which we're going to be explaining in depth today. And of course, to do that, we have to become poor in spirit, humble. And to be humble means to acknowledge our defects, how we use the elements of God in an impure fashion, how we use the air of our mind for projects and plans which are really empty of any spiritual end, thoughts, concepts, ideas which really have no actuality or foundation in reality, negative thoughts, wishing ill of others. Likewise, our fires of our heart through the anger, uh, emotions of anger, resentment, etc., inflame us and burn away our potential for genuine development. And then the waters of our vitality, our creative energies, are usually wasted, expelled through futile, uh, futile efforts or futile uh, engagements. We waste energy in many ways. And then physically, we have to uh, take care of this body, this earth. All those four elements relate to Malkut, which is our kingdom. Our physical body is Malkut, but we need to become kings of our earth. We need to be in control of these elements. The four corners of the bonnet also refers to not only the four elements, but the four Gospels. And each of the Gospels relate to the four elements of alchemy. They also relate to the four Vedas in the Hindu tradition. He carries a staff of power in his right hand, a symbol of the spine. And as we've explained extensively in this course, the spine is the seat of willpower, the seat of our spirit. Our inner spirit can work through our spinal column if we know how to channel forces correctly from sex to the brain and then likewise submitting it to the heart. That spinal column is the staff of life, the tree of life. We cannot live and exist if it were not for our spinal column. Spiritually speaking, it is the same. Uh, it is the same. We cannot exist spiritually. We cannot know divinity unless we awaken the creative fires and raise them up the spine. This is the power known as kundalini, or as an alchemist state, hazot, azot, which we'll also explain in depth today.
We also see the staff represented in the waters of the cart, the bottom third, a symbol of the staff of the shepherds. And uh, the shepherd is a representation of anyone who is following the path to Christ, who is working to teach the sheep, lead the sheep through the doorway, Dalet, that leads to genuine knowledge, genuine experience. And we'll talk about that at the end of this lecture today. We find uh, some other interesting symbols in this glyph. We find the sign of Aquarius in the bottom right, which uh, symbolically or etymologically hides aqua eris, aqua meaning water, eris, A-R-I-E-S, signifying the god of war, Samael, who is the regent of Mars, the power of the fire of creative energy within sex. So Aquarius hides the symbol of aqua eris, water and fire. We know that the water represents our seminal matter, our semen, whether it be in a man or a woman. Aries is the creative fire that rests in that uh, sexual power, that sexual element. But aqua Aries can also refer to aqua eris, A-E-R-I-S, meaning air. So we find the sign of Aquarius, the sign of the water bearer, particularly uh, pertinent to the study of this card. It is through the water and the fire of creation in which we give birth to our spirit within us. We give birth to our development, psychologically speaking. The book of Genesis, Bereshit, is a teaching of initiation. And if we wish to enter into the higher dimensions, we need to learn to be initiated. But it doesn't mean to follow any physical group, but to perform specific psychological works. We do so by working with the water and the fire. The waters of sex, transforming that energy through specific practices, especially through our matrimony, conserving that water and raising that fire within and without, or within oneself, inward and upward, to the brain. And then likewise submitting it to the heart. This is the hidden teaching within Genesis. Bereshit bara Elohim at hashamayim veyat haaretz. Bereshit typically is translated in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. So what is this heavens that the Lord is creating? It's not physical. It is not literally a history it is a symbol of initiation. In wisdom, sometimes the Zohar translates of the book of uh, Genesis, in wisdom Elohim creates. Bar, Eshit, can also refer to Berit Esh. Berit means covenant, pact. Esh means fire. Bereshit is an interesting word. It can be really dissected in many ways. But in the way that I'm giving it to you today, Bereshit can be acrostically referenced as Barit Esh, Pact of Fire. The Pact of Fire created Elohim, created the gods, created the initiates, the spiritual illuminated masters. Ish means fire, and Pact is a covenant. The sacred arc, arcanum, law of the covenant of God to humanity is sexual alchemy. How husband and wife by learning to conserve the waters of sex and transform it, can we become gods, Elohim. 
So, Bereshit bara Elohim, or Berit Esh Elohim, bara Elohim. The pact of fire created the gods, the initiates. At Hashamayim. Aleph Tav is At, and signifies all the principles of God, the first and the 22nd letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The first and last letters, Alpha, Omega, as Christ said, I am in the book of Revelations, Alpha and Omega. So all the principles of God are manifested in that person who is working with the pact of fire, all the Hebrew letters themselves. Shamaim means heavens, literally translated. But if you say Shamaim and break down the Hebrew letters, you find Maim, which means water, and Shin, which means fire. Literally, it translates as fiery waters. So, by the pact of fire, Elohim was created through the fiery, through all the principles of God, at aleph tav, and um, the fiery waters, heaven, the heavenly matter, the spiritual work. So, what are these fiery waters? Related to the science of Da'at and Kabbalah, the teachings of the uh, of the tree of life, the hidden sephira that is implied in the throat because through the speech we create and husband and wife through mantras and sexual alchemy by pronouncing sacred vows create something spiritually within them they work with the fiery waters those waters that are inoculated with flame is precisely when a man and wife are connected it is it is the semen that has been inoculated in the sexual act so yesod is our vital waters which contain the fire shin but when husband and wife are working in tantrism and pronouncing mantras, they're, in, they're raising that watery fire up the spine through the power of Da'at. So this is the heavenly waters, sometimes known as Akash in uh, Eastern traditions. But we find that the Spirit of God is the one who is hovering over the faces of the waters, the Ruach Elohim mentioned in Genesis. He is the one in our spinal column who controls that energy and learns to circulate it within us. At Hashamayim Vayat Haaretz. So he created the heavens and the earth. So what is this earth? Is our, our body, Malkut, which contains all the archetypes of divinity which we need to work with, command, to uh, obey the divine orders of our inner spirit through the work of chastity within alchemy so that we can enter as a humble person, as a, a darvish, a, a poor Initiate, recognizing our misery and wanting to acquire more, that knowledge of more. Because that treasure is known in the Hadith Qudsi amongst the Muslims. I was a hidden treasure and I wished to be known, so I created creation, mankind, then made myself known to them and they recognized me. This is the meaning of Allah speaking to humanity, who is a symbol of our spirit, our emperor. We can call him Jehovah. Or better said, Jeho- uh, El is better if we say his name is El in Kabbalah, which means God. And so he is that wisdom and treasure we seek, who we contain within our body and whom we need to work with and transform, as represented by the serpent that is raised above the middle of his eyebrow on his bonnet. That is the raised serpent Kundalini, the power of Azot, that is fully manifested up the spine. Because the spine is precisely the staff of power in which a master commands. 
when that spinal column is illuminated with azot, with the creative fire, one is a master, one has raised that serpent, kundalini. On the left-hand side, we see the symbol of Uranus, and uh, Chaldean, Uranus is a Chaldean word. Ur means light or fire. Anas means water. Uranus is a, sim- is a planet associated with Chokmah, Christ. But Ur, Anas, is precisely the fire and water of Christ, whom we carry within in our sexual matter. And it is the waters of Genesis that we work with, the Spirit works with. Notice that aqua aries, the water and breath, the wind, is the power of divinity that we work with in alchemy. When a husband and wife are connected, they learn to control the breath, to pronounce mantras, to love each other in a divine and pure sense, without any lust, but to be connected sexually and to enjoy the delights of love, of complete uh, harmony and unity with each other. So they work with breath, Eris, the god Aeolus in the, amongst the Greeks, god of the wind, the prana, the aleph, as we talked about in our first lecture in this course, in order to dominate the waters. Ruach, Elohim, is the spirit of God. And Ruach, as we explained in our previous lecture, relates to breath as well. The breath of God, who hovers over the face of the waters, is precisely our spirit who commands and raises the energies up, in, up our spine within us. Some other interesting correlations is that the number four relates to uh, four ages within any race or humanity, such as the Golden Age, the Silver Age, the Copper and the Iron Age, the latter of which we are in presently. We also study the four pillars of Gnosis, science, mysticism, art, philosophy, of which we give a course and you can access on our website. Now, in order to become an initiate, we work with the four elements. The waters, the fire, the air within our earth, our body, meaning our air, which is our mind, the fire within our heart, the waters within our sexual organs, and our physicality, our earth. The number four, psychologically, building off this alchemical and Kabbalistic analysis, relates to the four ways, or the fourth way, better said, the teachings of Gurdjieff and Ospensky. So Ospensky spoke abundantly about four paths of spirituality. There is the fakir, there is the monk, there is the yogi, and then there is the path of the Gnostic, the balanced human being. A, our emperor learns to conquer our inner kingdom precisely through the fourth path mentioned by Ospensky and by Gurdjieff. In the first path, the fakir only develops willpower in relation to dominating instinct. Fakirs are people who learn to endure heat and cold, living out in the, in the, in the open, sleeping on beds of nails, performing very severe austerities in order to develop will to command the physical body. They develop willpower, but they don't develop conscious willpower. They have a certain dominance over the instincts of the physicality, but it doesn't mean that they're awakening their consciousness. 
in a spiritual sense, in a most objective sense. That's a type of uh, severity or extreme practice that we don't recommend. And which, being educated, according to Uspensky, uh, we obviously see the, the pitfalls of that type of uh, thinking, that way. A monk solely develops their emotional center, their heart, through prayer. They don't necessarily develop will or consciousness, but they develop a sense of sentiment and connection with divinity based on their heart. A yogi studies the mind through scripture and through meditation and develops powers relating with the intellect. Each of these former three paths relate to the three mother letters of Kabbalah. Aleph relates with the air, the mind, the breath, because our thoughts are aerial in nature. They're like clouds. They constantly shift, fluctuate, appear, and disappear. And if you awaken your consciousness in the astral plane and invoke a master to ask them, what is my level of being? What's the nature of my mind like? They'll show you the sky, because in the astral plane, that uh, dimension is symbolic. They will teach you things in relating to your psyche that manifests within the landscape. So the mind relates to the air, Aleph. Shin, the fire, relates to the heart, our emotions. As I said before, we can be inflamed with love or hatred. It's a fiery element. And the monks develop the fires of the heart, but exclusively of that center. They don't necessarily develop their intellect in balance, nor may they work with mem, water, ma'im. And mem relates again to our third center relating to sexuality, the creative energies, the semen. A fakir develops willpower to control ha'aretz, the earth, our physicality. The monk develops the heart, emotional uh, sentiment. The yogi develops the mind. But these three paths are not balanced. They're extreme. They only develop one center over the other. We have the intellectual brain, the emotional brain, and the motor instinctive sexual brain. The intellectual brain is a center of our thought or manifests our thought. Our emotional brain manifests our emotions and feelings. And our motor instinctive sexual brain is a conglomeration of intelligences, physical and psychological, that process our movement, our instincts or impulses, and our sexuality. The path of the Gnostic is much more comprehensive, symbolized by this cross of the Rosicrucians. Within the cross, the fourth way, we work in sexual alchemy. The cross is a symbol of a matrimony. The vertical beam is a symbol of the phallus. The horizontal beam is a symbol of the uterus. And within the crossing of man and woman, we work with all the 22 archetypes of God. Notice here that we have the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet and that these 22 letters each represent a principle of nature, a law of nature, an arcanum. So these are the 22 arcana of the Tarot, the Torah, the law, upon which the book of Genesis and the whole Old Testament is composed. So, at hashamayim, when man and woman are performing berit esh, the pact of fire, they're working with those 22 archetypes mentioned in the cross of the Rosicrucians. So, at hashamayim, so through the 22 letters, the 22 principles of God, the 22 arcana of the Torah, we're creating and working with the fiery waters of sex, of da'at, of gnosis. 
So Ospensky and Gurdjieff knew these teachings, but they didn't give it openly. And they made certain mistakes in relation to confusing the Kundalini with Kundabuffer. Kundabuffer is the tale of Satan. For when the energy of sex is expelled, the body assimilates, the mind assimilates negative forces, atoms, energies relating to the inferior uh, aspect of the tree of life called Klipot, which are the hell realms. And then that energy, instead of ascending up the spine, descends, forms the tail of the demons in the astral body. But the Kundalini is worked with through uh, husband and wife exclusively. We enter into initiation precisely through working with the cross. And through the cross, we work with the three mother letters of Kabbalah. The other letters have a, must, uh, a lesser role, we could say, but important to the organization of the different worlds of Kabbalah, the tree of life, etc. So the fourth way teaching of Gurdjieff and Ospensky is about balancing the elements, becoming equilibrated, psychologically speaking. This is how we enter into initiation. And as Samael and Vior states, initiation is your own life, lived intensely with rectitude and with love. Wisdom, or, um, wisdom and love, two pillars of the tree of life, Jaquin Boaz, that hold up our temple. So initiation doesn't necessarily refer to becoming part of a group, but learning to behave and comprehend how to live like an angel, a holy creature, a chayot ha-kadosh in Hebrew. And so we find that the three elements relate to our psyche, as we've been explaining. And in order to become a balanced human being, we have to comprehend our thinking, our feeling, and our ways of acting. Our three brains, mind, heart, body how they exist physically, but more importantly, how do we exist psychologically in this body? This is the path of self-observation, of analysis, of understanding ourselves. It's uh, important, we'll be talking about this in Arcanum 7, the number 7 being the law of organization, but I like to refer to Gurdjieff's teaching of, and Ospensky's teaching about the seven types of human beings especially in relation to the fourth type of human being, which is the topic of our lecture. He refers to human beings being divided or organized in seven types in relation to the musical scale. From the lowest, do, to the highest, ti. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti. So that scale represents classifications of human beings. And we'll talk about the fourth one in particular, the no, do relates to instinctive human beings, people who are only constantly on the move, don't rationalize, don't think. People in war are instinctive. They don't reason. They move. And if we're familiar with uh, Alice in Wonderland, uh, composed by uh, someone who knew this path very well, the instinctive type of person is the white rabbit. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Is always running around and has no control or understanding of him or herself. It's constantly on the move. You have the emotional type of person relating to the note Ray, which relates to the queen of hearts, who's always angry, off with his head. And then you have the, the third note, 
uh, me, excuse me, the intellectual type of person who is related to the Mad Hatter, has no coherence in his thoughts. His intellectual center is mad, insane. And the whole planet's full of them, even though they seem like very reasonable people. But anybody who does not have the spirit inside is a madman, a lunatic, someone who follows the moon, mechanicity, habits, etc. So these three lower types of people, the instinctive, the emotional, and the intellectual, relate to the lower three paths we discussed. Fakir, monk, and yogi. But there's a superior type related to the note fa, which is the psychologically equilibrated human being. A person who is fully control of his empire does not get identified with thought, the air, does not get identified with emotions, the heart, does not get identified with sex, with lust, desire, the waters. In our exercises of yoga, we practice what we call runes, which are positions and we place our body in certain postures in association with the Nordic alphabet. There's a very famous practice we do, or uh, well-known within uh, the Gnostic tradition, the rune fa, in which we praise the sun, the solar logos, the Christ energy within nature, and beg that force to enter the chakras of our palms through the different nadis of our centers, entering our body and illuminating us with light. And we do mantras associated with that posture that looks like the letter F. The mantras fa, fe, fi, fo, fu. And those mantras help to activate the chakras and provide it with Christic energy. So fa as a musical note is very important. It's the awakening of the consciousness. As we say in the runic prayer, marvelous forces of love revive my sacred fires, my sexual energy, and my consciousness awaken so that my consciousness will awaken. So a balanced human being works with the Christic energy who uses his willpower to obey the spirit so that he becomes an emperor in command of himself. Fa transmutes the energies of sex. Is the sexual energy it works on? Yes, because all the runes are practices we use to transmute energy. Alchemy is, again, that science of transmuting base material into refined materials. How we transform our semen, the brute matter of the sexual, uh, sexual matter, into fire and light. Ur anas. Or the sign of aqua eris, Aquarius. And Aquarius, is, again, is the sign of the water carrier which is a symbol of the dissemination of knowledge in an open fashion. But it also refers to how we carry our own waters, transmute them, transform them. And so a balanced human being is someone who knows this fourth way, who is chaste, who does not fornicate, does not waste the energies, does not expel them, and has full balance of the waters, the fire, and the air of the psyche. There are other types of human beings which are associated with the, seven, the scale of seven notes. Soul, which is someone related to having created a solar astral body. Uh, La, associated with someone who created a solar mental body. And T, associated with someone who created a solar causal body. And if you're familiar with Kabbalah, you find that the Tree of Life explains this very well. So we talk about giving birth to the soul. Jesus said, you must be born again of water and spirit, mem and shin. To be born is precisely through the the womb of the Divine Mother, which in Hebrew is the letter associated with he, H, 
H can also be prolonged as a mantra, as in the mantra HUM, which is the symbol of the breath, the spirit, chesed. So Jesus said, you must be born again of water and spirit, mem and shin. And to be born again is precisely through the breath, because when a child is born, the first moment of their life, they inhale the air and they cry. So those are the three elements manifesting in the physical body of the birth of a child. But this is something symbolic too. To be born of water and spirit is to be born in a matrimony, spiritually. Because that which is born of flesh, through the normal sexual act, that is flesh. But that which is born of spirit, in the same sexual act, but through certain procedures, is spirit. So we talk about extensively in these studies, that we need to create the soul, or solar bodies. Right now, we have our physical body of which we're aware we may have some sense of energy of having certain, a level of uh, vitality which relates to yasod. We may become aware of our emotions, our mood at certain points in time more than others, the heart, which is hod, the astral emotional body. And we may become partially aware or be constantly subjected to our thinking, thoughts, ideas, which churn and, and fluctuate within our psyche. That's mind. These low four, lower four sephiroth spheres are called the lower four bodies of sin. And again, it's important to note that this map expresses consciousness in different lo- levels of manifestation. We obviously have the more material bodies or vehicles at the bottom and the most refined energies at the top, represented by the Trinity. So in the dream world, when we physically go to sleep, we leave our body and enter into the astral world, hod, the emotional plane. We may also exist in the mental plane, netzach, the mind, in order to experience what we call dreams. Those are bodies or vehicles that belong to nature, typically. Most people don't have what are called solar bodies. We tend to exist in those dimensions at sleep in vehicles that belong to nature. They're lunar, mechanical, and if you awaken consciousness, you can see that the lunar bodies have a spectral, ghost-like appearance, very dark. But solar bodies are luminous, light, and Master has those bodies. Meaning, by working with a spouse in Malkut, the kingdom, they learn to conquer their empire. They raise the kundalini power up the physical spine to the brain. Next, after reaching the height of that scale, the seven notes, the seven chakras of the spine, illuminating all those centers, one takes that energy and raises it to a higher octave, relating to the uh, vital body, yasod. By raising the kundalini up the spine of that material body that's in the fourth dimension, which penetrates our physical body, we then achieve that initiation. Again, these are initiations relating to alchemy, marriage. So the first initiation of fire of the kundalini we achieve in Malkut. When we raise the fire of sex up the spine of the vital body, we attain the second initiation of fire. With the third initiation of fire, we're working with Hod, the astral body, which in us is lunar. But when we raise the fire of kundalini up the spine, up that uh, body, we create a solar body in that vehicle. Consider it like how a, a, an egg, or a bird hatches from an egg. 
We don't see it from the outside, but psychologically, internally, it's gestating, giving birth to those vehicles in which one can uh, travel consciously with awareness and full cognizance of oneself. When we raise the fire of the kundalini up the spine of the mental body, the world of the mind, we attain the fourth initiation of fire. We give birth to the solar mind, a mind that only knows how to follow the will of Christ, that is not an animal mind, a mind full of defects, vices, errors, etc. And lastly, by raising the kundalini of the, of the causal world, the causal body relating to Tifereth, willpower, we create what's called the solar causal body. And these bodies are like a light bulb. If you want to transmit light, which is the Christic energy, fully and completely, you need to create these vehicles so that your mind, your heart, and your will can express Christ. Someone who has created these bodies, who has reached the fifth initiation of fire in Tifereth, can be called uh, a twice-born, someone who is born again. So people who, those people who in the Christianity who say, I believe in Jesus and therefore I am saved, who say I am born again, are ignorant. Because you cannot be born except through sex, as Jesus taught. So this is someone who's conquered their empire at the beginning levels, we could say. When we reach the fifth initiation of fire, we learn to obey our divine consciousness and our spirit. One becomes a master, a malek, a king. Or if one is a woman, a malaka, a queen. But of course, the spirit is the one who does all this work inside of us when we obey the orders of our divinity. So we want to work with the fire and the water of creative energy to give birth to the soul. And so the solar bodies internally, when we see them, are filled with light, beauty. When you invoke a master of the higher dimensions when you're in the dream state, you see that they can appear to you with their their solar vehicles and they emanate a power and beauty that is really indescribable, impossible to define. And so when we work in an initiation, we want to become like that. We want to conquer the empire of light. Whereas the Gospels teach us, or the New Testament teaches us, heaven is taken by force and only the violent will take it by, take it by force. Excuse me. To paraphrase it lightly or heavily. Heaven is taken by force by working with initiation. When we look at the three letters of Kabbalah, Aleph, Shin, Mem, you can also say that Aleph relates with He, the H sound, the breath. And so you combine those three letters together, He, Shin, Mem, you spell Hashem, which means the name. Baruch Hashem Adonai. Blessed be the name of the Lord, say the, the Kabbalists. You spell Hashem backwards, you spell Moshe, Moses. Moses is a symbol of a master who is taken from the waters because Moshe literally means born of fire and water. Because He means, refers to the womb. If you look on the sacred name of Jehovah, yod He vav He, the letter H looks like a womb from which a child is gestated. And we know from the stories of the Old Testament that Moses was taken from the waters, from a basket or an ark, you could say, a little ship, 
a minor arcanum, or better if we say major arcanum, or the great arcanum, the great law, which is the teachings of alchemy according to Samael and Vior. So Moses is represented as the, the body of willpower and all the other bodies we created through alchemy, through marriage. Hidden within the name Yod Hava, Jehovah, we also find the three elements of nature as well as the earth. Better if we say the four elements. Yah Hava in Hebrew is the holy name of God, which inappropriately many Jews pronounce as Aronai, not the same meaning. The sacred name of God in Chokmah and the Kabbalah is Yod Hava. Aronai is the sacred name of God. In Malkut, each of the Sephiroth, each of the Sephiroth of the Tree of Life, have sacred names associated with God in the world of Atziluth, the world of archetypes, principles. So when we say Jehovah, we're referring to Christ amongst the Kabbalists. Chokmah means wisdom, and Christ is the energy of Chokmah, the wisdom of Chokmah, the insight of the Lord. You can also take this word, Yahava and break it down further. Yah is masculine. Chava is feminine. You could say Adam, Eve, man, woman. Yahava is, a, is an acrostic which entails the teachings of alchemy, of a marriage. You can say Hashem because the H is uh, Hashem, the breath, the spirit, which we pronounce in alchemy. But within Hay is the womb is how the child is born and then they take the first breath in order to, to live in that moment. But uh, Jehovah also relates to the four elements. We find that... Uh, if we take this name and pronounce it in Latin, we've had the vowels E, A, O. Another sacred name. And it's important to step back and point out that Jehovah is a tetragrammaton, a sacred four-letter name of God. In many religions, or certain religions, there's four-letter names of divinity. And amongst the Jews, it is Yahweh, Jehovah. Amongst the Muslims, it's Allah, four letters. Tetra means four. Gram means letter. It's a sacred, it's a, any four-letter name of divinity, it's in any religion, referring to uh, Christ, Chokmah. But uh, even if you pronounce that name, Tetragrammaton, in the astral plane, you can invoke divinity in that way, any master of any particular interest you want to investigate. Very sacred word. When you say tetragrammaton, the angels look down at you and you can see them directly in the astral plane. And they can, uh, you can invoke whomever you want to speak with. But Jehovah, Yahweh, is man, woman. Yod, man. Hey, woman. The Vav represents the spine. It also can represent the phallus. And then Hey represents woman or, or water, we could say, and represents the uterus. Within E-A-O, we find Ignis, Agua, Origo. Fire, water, and spirit. 
So when we work in alchemy, the supreme mantra is E-A-O, according to Samael Anvior, the founder of the modern Gnostic tradition. And then within these three letters, E-A-O, are contained within the last He. Because if you take the yod he vow and translate it into Latin, you have E-A-O. The Vav uh, letter V can be tra- translated as vowel and sometimes is used as a vowel sound in Hebrew. So it can be uh, an O. yod he vow is E-A-O. Those three elements are contained within the earth, He, the body. Alchemy teaches this tradition also very extensively too within Europe. And so in order to become an, an emperor, we work with these elements. We work with the mantras E-A-O in sexual connection with our, our, our wife, partner. And so the alchemy speaks abundantly about these principles. The fire of sexuality, they refer to as sulfur. The water of sexuality, they refer to as mercury. And the spirit Origo is the breath, the wind. So as Samuel Anvior states in Alchemy and Kabbalah, he synthesizes for us um, the elements of alchemy, which are salt, mercury, sulfur, and azot. The salt is the matter, meaning the, the brute entity of our semen, the physical waters, literally. The mercury is the enseminus, and enseminus, I believe, is a term used by Paracelsus to refer to the entity of semen, the energies contained within those waters. And then azot is a mysterious ray of the kundalini. Hazot. Azot is the kundalini in the alchemical tradition. When you spell hazot, you spell it with he, zain, aleph, tav. He, again, relates to the breath the wind, the womb of the Divine Mother. Zayin, the seventh letter of Kabbalah, we'll talk about in the seventh arcanum. Represented by a sword, looks like the, the, the Z sound, Zayin, looks like a vav, but has an extended top and represents a sword, the kundalini, that rises up the spine in order to aid the initiates in their battle against their defects. Aleph, again, is the wind, and Tav is the final letter, representing as the seal or covenant upon which one is initiated, the 22nd letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the 22nd arcanum. So we work with these three elements, or the four elements, with uh, our practices of meditation, but especially in a matrimony. The fire, water, and air represent aspects of our psyche, but also our body that we need to work with. And when we learn to work with these alchemical principles in ourselves. We're working with the secret teachings of the four Gospels because the four elements relate to the four Gospels themselves. And uh, the four Gospels, or the better said, the four elements, relate to the animals of alchemy, the Hayot HaKadosh, the holy creatures mentioned by in the book of Ezekiel, which are before the Lord of God symbol of the, fi- uh, the elements that we're mastering in ourselves. The fire represents the lion, or the lion represents the fire, and is the gospel of Mark. The water, the mercury, represented by a man, 
is the book of Matthew. The book of John. Water is man? Yes. It's amazing how, well, you know, on the other, as you know, the other teachings, they relate that to air on in traditional texts and from what I read. But water really... We say, we say it relates to man because a, human, a real human being, a whom man, a manas mind made into the image of whom, the spirit, is born from the waters, like Moses or any master. And uh, the eagle represents the air, the book of John. Lastly, we have the book of Luke, representing the earth and the bull. These four animals are synthesized in what we call the sphinx, which is a mystical creature associated with Egypt, which Oedipus the king uh, answered his riddle in order to save Thebes in the famous play. And that riddle that the Sphinx asks any initiate or any poor person trying to enter into initiation is, how do you become a human being? How do you, become, how do you enter my riddle, my, my form? Which is the wings of an eagle, the hooves of a, of a bull or an ox, the paws of a lion, and the face of a man. So how, how does one become a, a real human being? Is by working with those elements in alchemy. So Oedipus became king because he answered the riddle. So he became a master at that point. But of course, there's more work to be uh, achieved by any emperor or any, or any master who is um, perfecting him or herself. The salamanders, in relation with the elements, relate to the fire. So there's elemental creatures in nature that exist and permeate all the elements. And any alchemist, any master learns to work with those elementals in themselves. And also outside. As I said to you previously, a real magician is somebody who works with elemental magic, ceremonial magic, and sexual magic, relating to netzach, the mind, hod, the emotions, and yesod, vitality. So the salamanders are the creatures that live in the fire, whether in the candle or in our sexual energy. They are innocent creatures of nature. They don't know any, have any defect. They simply obey the commandments of the divine forces or intelligences that govern uh, all of the cosmos. So the salamanders are the creatures of fire. We have in our, the fire of sex, which we enliven through husband and wife. The undines or the nereids relate to the water. They govern our sexual waters themselves. And then we have the gnomes that govern the earth, who live within the stones, but also within our physical body. Our physical body cannot exist without the help of those intelligences, intelligences known as the gnomes that help to transfer certain substances in the body. And then we have the air, the sylphs or sulfids, relating to the wind, the breath, and our breathing, our lungs. We work with them all the time. But there's a way to work consciously with these elements um, with a certain discipline. We need the four elements or elementals to work for us in order to become an emperor. So the, uh, the, the nereids, we need them to be docile and tame. The waters in our body have to be controlled, especially when, when one is sexually connected. Because if one also builds up too much fire, one will lose the energy, lose the waters. 
and that earth will become depleted, our physicality. So the salamanders help us for heat. So when a husband and wife unite and they're inflamed with divine love, the sexual fire is what gives them life or attraction, magnetism. That's the salamanders at work. And uh, we need to say that the gnomes themselves, when we're working in a matrimony, are the ones that transform the lead of our personality into the gold of the spirit. They're the gnomes are the ones who learn to take the gold that's within the semen itself and transfer it up the spine, up the mountain range of the spinal column. Because in esotericism, a mountain represents the spine, which we have to climb in the path of initiation. And the winds have to be controlled, the sylphs. If we're breathing too quickly when we're connected sexually, the energy is not going to go inward and upward, but inward and out. So people who are inflamed or, or too excited sexually with their breath, breathe too quickly, their exhalations are more pronounced, meaning the energy is going from in to out, not out to in. And that's why they lose their energy very quickly. So the breath has to be controlled. The sylphs have to work upon the waters of our sex through mantra, through prayer, and through full awareness of what one is doing. If we listen to the undines, meaning our lust that is enmeshed within the waters themselves, we will be tempted and we will shipwreck ourselves. Like Odysseus was nearly uh, shipwrecked in the Odyssey. He was riding a ship back to Ithaca after the Battle of Troy. And that's a beautiful alchemical teaching of how through the ship, the Arcanum, the Ark, he was traveling island to island which is chakra to chakra, up the spine, across the Mediterranean, symbol of our waters of sex, in order to return to Ithaca, return that energy back to the crown, which is the kingdom of, that he originates from. But of course, Odysseus made certain mistakes, such as le- letting himself be tempted by the sirens, which he, was command- he commanded his ship- uh, shipmates to tie him to a staff, or better said, to a, a mast, and when they passed the certain area of the sea in which the sirens were well known, he heard their calls and was ranting and raving to be allowed to go overboard and to take the ship over to them. That's how lust works. Yes, but, but as I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, that's in, in, uh, I think uh, Homer wrote about it or something, but that's where, the, where he was tempted was off the, in the Bay of Naples in the southern Mississippi where he had tied him into the black, put something over their eyes and tied him to the mast. He tied himself to the mast. That's part of Greek mythology. Yeah, but psychologically, yeah, so, so geography is used psychologically. It's a representation of certain uh, alchemical teachings. The Red Sea mentioned in the Old Testament is, the, again, the waters of sex, which the Egyptians are drowned in, meaning our own defects, our egos. But uh, when Odysseus hears the sirens, he wants to go overboard, or better said, he wants to take the ship and go over to them, meaning he wants to shipwreck. And that's a teaching of how lust tempts the mind and the heart and the eye in order to abandon the ark, the arcanum, the law, the teachings of chastity, of sexual purity. So in the myth, or better said, in the, in the epic poem, Odysseus, what, uh, his shipmates were 
had beer, uh, beeswax in their ears so they couldn't hear the sirens themselves. But Odysseus was tied to his mast, meaning his spinal column. The only thing that kept him from going overboard was his willpower, his spine, and the help of divinity in the ship to the shipmates to get him out of there, get past the temptation. And so the Undines relate to the waters. And we need to work with those elements didactically. Let's talk a little bit more about Dalet. Psalm 119 speaks or begins with the letter Dalet through its verses, 25 through 32, and synthesizes many of the things that uh, we've been talking about and the path that is required for any initiate in order to enter into the higher mysteries to become an emperor. My soul, Nefesh, is reduced to dust. Give me life according to your word. I have confessed my ways and you responded to me. Teach me your statutes, meaning your laws, your commandments, the arcana, the 22 Hebrew letters of Kabbalah, and the 22 arcana of the Torah. Make me understand the path of your precepts and I will meditate on your wonders. My soul, nefesh, drops with grief. Strengthen me according to your word, chokmah, Christ. Remove me from the path of lying and favor me with your law, your arcanum, which is the pact of fire, berit esh, the law of divinity it works through sexual alchemy. That is the law, the arcanum, the teaching, which is now being made public. I have chosen the path of truth, which we can say is tav in Hebrew, the last letter of the Kabbalistic alphabet, the seal of truth. I have held the level of your judgments. I have clung to your testimonies, O Jehovah, Yot Chava, do not put me to shame. I will walk on the path of your commands, thus you will enlarge my heart. So Dalat is very significant. Literally means door. It relates to Da'at, which we've been explaining in depth today, the science of alchemy, sexual knowledge, conscious knowledge or experience of divinity. It relates to Darvish, Dervish, a poor person. And we, as we seek to enter into initiation, must become poor in spirit, humble. And to recognize that only divinity matters. The letter Dalat is also hidden within the word Shaddai or Shaddai el Chai, which means Almighty Living God. It's the sacred name of God associated with the Asod and Kabbalah because the word Shaddai means field. And the field is precisely where um, gestates the vegetation, the life, which we also find the most subtle of all creatures, which is the serpent mentioned in the Bible. So the serpent that was the most subtlest of all is within the field, Shaddai, signifying the power of Shaddai, El Chai, the Almighty Living God, which is the creative potential, again, sexuality. On the doorposts of Jewish homes and also institutions, they have the word written El Shaddai, and they oftentimes will kiss their lips and touch the symbol as they enter and exit out of the rooms. And the door represents the door that enter into Eden, into initiation, which is the narrow door of sex. The difficult path to control one's lust and to fully extirpate it. That door is the power of Shaddai, the field, the serpent. Is that why Christ says, be, be as wise as serpents or something like that? Yes, be wise as serpents with that energy and control and as harmless as doves. 
meaning the Holy Spirit, which is chaste, to be pure. Dalet also relates to sod, or sodi, which you can translate backwards. If you add the yod at the end of sodi, you spell yasod. Sod means secret. So this is the secret teaching that was hidden for millennia, which is now made public in the era of Aquarius. Lastly, we have David, David, who's a king of the Old Testament, and his name literally means boiler in Hebrew. So David killed Goliath with a stone, which is the size of a one's hand or whatnot, a sling and a stone, and his faith in God. Goliath is represented as his lust, his desires, his defects. And through the stone of Yasod, the secret teachings of alchemy, he conquered his inner beast and became king of Israel. So David is a symbol of Dalet Vav Dalet. Dalet can signify Dat acrostically. Vav, the spinal column, the sixth letter, relates to the sixth sephir of the tree of life, which is Tifereth. And then Yasod, ending in Dalet, is hidden in also the last letter of David's name. And it literally means boiler. To boil alchemically the impurities of the psyche within the sexual mattress. The word crucible, crux, cross, in alchemical terms, is where we get the word cross. Crucible is a, is a metallurgical element or machine in which you melt impure substances in order to get pure substances. So through the fire of the sexual act, one can remove the impurities of the psyche, of the soul. So Da'at, again, in this image of the tree of life, relates to the first letter of David. Vav, Tifereth, will power, is the work of the spinal column. Through the work of the spine and with knowledge gained from alchemy, we learn to control Yasod, the final Dalet. So that is how David conquered Goliath, his inner beast. And to conclude, we'll uh, leave off with a beautiful teaching from the book of John with some Gnostic exegesis explaining the alchemical and Kabbalistic significance of this passage, which relates to what we've been discussing. Verses 1 through 18. Jesus speaking to his disciples. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door of Shaddai el Chai, the power of God in Yasod, into the sheepfold of Malkut, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he, Chokmah, the Christ, that entered by the door of Shaddai el Chai, the foundation stone of the temple, is the shepherd of the sheep, meaning those people who are seeking to enter into initiation. To him, Chokmah, the porter, the initiates of Shaddai el Chai, opens. And the sheep, the souls of Malkut, who seek to become initiates, hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep or souls by name and lead them out into the higher Sephiroth. And when he, Chokmah, puts forth his own sheep, meaning the masters or shepherds of initiation, who lead the flocks to the higher dimensions, he goes before them and the sheep, the spiritual masters, follow him. For they know his voice, meaning that word has been made flesh in them through initiation. And a stranger meaning the ego, the black magicians, the fornicators, will they not follow, but flee from him. 
for they know not the fornicating voice or fornicator voice of strangers. And the strange ones are, of course, the, the demons of Klipot, strangers to God. This Kabbalistic parable spoke Jesus, our inner Christ, unto them. But they understood not what things they were which he spoke unto them. Spoke unto them. Then said Jesus, the intimate Christ, unto them again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I, Chokmah, Christ, through the power of Shaddai el Chai, am the door of the sheep, the door into entering the higher Sephiroth of the tree of life. And for the sheep are souls who are nefesh, who are still animalistic, imprisoned in Asya, the world of matter, of Malkut, and of hell, Klipot. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, meaning those false prophets and demons and black magicians who teach one to be an animal in the sexual act. But the sheep, the souls who are trapped in Asya and, Mal- and Klipot, Malkut and hell, did not hear them. I, Hukmah Christ, through Shaddai el Chai, am the door. By me, if any humble person, poor person, a darvish, through initiation, enters in, he shall be saved and shall go out and in through the door of Shaddai el Chai and find pasture. Again, pasture relates to field, Shaddai. So someone who is find pasture for the sheep is the heavenly realms to the power of Shaddai. The thief, meaning the Baalim in Hebrew, the black magicians, the devils or fornicators, come not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy the soul. I, Chokmah Christ, through Shaddai el Chai, am come that they, the parts of the soul may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I, Chokmah Christ, through Shaddai el Chai, am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd, meaning through the initiations of the Tree of Life, through alchemy, gives his life for the sheep. But he, the soul that is a hireling, someone who only works selfishly, and not the shepherd, meaning a master of major mysteries, whose own sheep, he's, whose own sheep are not. He sees the wolf, meaning the black magicians, coming, and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep into hell. The hireling, who only works selfishly, flees, because he is a hireling. He only works for himself. And he cares not for the sheep or souls who are in Asya or in Klipot. I, Chokmah, Christ, through Shaddai el Chai, am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am, none of, and am known of mine. As the Father, Keter, knows me through Da'at, alchemy, even so I, the Father, and I, through the initiation of Tifereth, lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep souls I have, which are not of this fold of initiates, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one of one fold of masters and one shepherd, which is Christ. Therefore does my father, Keter, love me, because I, Chokmah, as the son of man, the power through Shaddai el Chai, lay down my life that I may take it again. No selfish man takes it from me, but I, according to my initiation in Tifereth, lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and if the master chooses to fall, I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father, Keter. So every lecture we give certain practices in order to help you digest and apply the principles we teach. So to become an emperor, we learn to work with conjurations and prayers. 
as well as the four exorcisms of the elements. So there are exorcisms or prayers we perform, which we'll be doing today at the end of this lecture, in order to invoke divinity and control the elements. The exorcisms related to fire, air, water, and earth, which uh, we'll be explaining after the lecture. Any questions? Wizard of Oz, I'm, I'm a Wizard of Oz or Wizard of Otz, Otz Chaim, Wizard of the Tree of Life. And of course, that the movie does a very good job of this, shows the, the three coils at the beginning of the road that leads to the Emerald City, which is Ithaca amongst, for Odysseus, the crown chakra, the kingdom of the, the Wizard of Oz, the magician of the, or the priest of Oz. And the magician is the only one who's going to give Dorothy the soul, uh, or better said, the Tin Man a new heart, a solar astral body. The Scarecrow, a solar mental body, a new mind. The Lion, representing willpower, a, new, a causal body. And so the magician is the one who's going to give, create the solar bodies by walking up the path, the golden path of the spine that leads to the city of emeralds. The chakra of the uh, the churches of the saints. So that being said, like all this allegory that you were mentioning, like the, you know, the, the mythology, and I remember you mentioned before Shakespeare was an occultist, and all these. But is there anyone in our present time that's an occultist that's given out information, like whether it be Lord of the Rings, or is it just not? Well, Lord of the Rings is uh, even Tolkien stated of his works in a preface to one of his books. Uh, to that book ex- ex- specifically, people think that there's some type of hidden meaning to my stories. He says, I just wrote to entertain people. But he was a very good uh, philologist, philosopher of language. So there's certain things that he, he imitated that were very accurate. Kind of like Star, did Star Wars do the same thing or no? Well, uh, actually, Lucas's films were based off the teachings of um, Hero what is it, Hero of a Thousand Faces? I'm trying to remember the, the man's name, uh, but it'll come to me again. But those are imitations. Those are works of imitatusus. You know, imitatus, the one who imitates. But to find works of initiates, one has to become an initiate and to uh, understand it from experience. Why do you think, like Carlos Castaneda and all these people, why do you think they use allegory as opposed to just, like, if this, if obviously this information is the utmost importance. Why isn't it just thrown at us and say, hey, look, uh, is it just like we're in this video game and we got to figure things out? Those many writers of the Piscean era were marked by conservatism. So the age of Pisces, which ended at the beginning of the era of Aquarius in the 60s, was, well, an era in which that this type of knowledge was meant to be hidden, not given openly. The sign of the water carrier of Aquarius of how to become an emperor by following the work of Aqua Aries, etc. It was only given just recently in the writings of, uh, specifically, Samael and Vior. Uh, there's other writers who knew this teaching very well and talk about it in, uh, 
implicit manner because they weren't authorized by the White Lodge to give openly. So it's good to read those writers like Ospensky, Gurdjieff, Alice of Wonderland, many Piscean teachings with the Aquarian doctrine, which we're teaching now openly, so that you can see that there's really a whole teaching here. There's nothing separate, that this knowledge was given many times, but in a veiled form, because they weren't authorized to teach openly. Oh, they weren't authorized. They weren't authorized by the White Lodge, uh, because this knowledge is powerful. You will either create an angel or a demon, based on what you do with your work. So it's a matter of will. No, you have faith in your have faith in Jehovah as David did, because David, through the power of Yasod and his will, killed Goliath, killed the giant, and many other myths of great heroes killing the beast, very prominent. And so they're teaching that it is very possible, and it will be, and you will do it if you learn to become humble, like a to enter that doorway, to be humble, like a darvish a dervish or a fakir, a poor person, to enter that narrow door. It's difficult, but if you want it, you'll do it. And your being wants you to do it, you will do it, no matter what the cost will be. Well, relating to uh, postures, you mentioned runes, and uh, also say as far as yogic postures, the Uparika, Karani Mudra, the feet up the wall. Would that help in bringing the pranic force down the spinal column into the brain? reciting a mantra at the same time? Yes. When you work on the Viparita Karani Mudra, which for those of you not familiar with this exercise, you place your legs against a wall and lay your back on the floor. You can, do, uh, you can simply concentrate and visualize certain energies in fluctuation, such as the practice of the Holy Eight, we teach in a book called Sacred Rites of Rejuvenation. Or you can pronounce mantras or transmute in order to continue the circulation of energies. You can work with them Exercises like hamsa as well, when you're lying on your back. Hamsa is good. So I invite you to reflect. At the end of this lecture, we'll do the exorcisms of the elements. But uh, learn to become poor in spirit by analyzing the elements of the psyche. Our thoughts, our feelings, our body, our impulses. Because that's the entrance way to enter through, uh, certain, through the matrimony especially. But we begin this path by learning to control the elements as we taught in the magician card. Getting back, I know we talked about this last week, but the, the Catholic Church, they, I mean, obviously the, the priests will practice abstinence and, and this and that. Why is it that they are Because if you conserve the water but don't transform it, there's no genesis there. But aren't they transforming it through prayer and meditation? They're not. They they're not. Obviously, you look at the results. Yeah, by, their, by their fruit, you will know them. You know, some people, they like to pray. And like I say with the path of the monk, they can develop certain qualities of heart. But it doesn't mean that they're transmuting. It doesn't mean that they're eliminating their defects. So I really don't know what they're doing, but I know that in my encounters with certain priests, they're very degenerate. And not all of them, of course, can't say that, but people who abstain from sex and don't circulate that energy inward and upward become homosexual or they degenerate. 
they lose they lose their uh, uh, yeah, they lose their soul. You could say abstention is not enough. You have to learn to create with that force because if the waters accumulate, obviously the the energy, the fire has to go somewhere. If it's not being directed up the spine, it's just being contained. That fire becomes pestilent. It ferments. It develops what we call in esotericism poisonoskirian vibrations, which I believe is a term that Gurdjieff used. It's an objective language. Um, but the thing is, abstinence is not enough. You've got to circulate the forces because fire has to act. If you don't control the fire, you'll be burned by it. And that could also be through just physical or, or you know, uh, music or acting or anything. That's a creative energy. There's, yeah, there's, there's many ways to uh, channel that energy. You know, transmutation is the most important. But we can learn to transmute by listening to good music, like the classical compositions, the operas of Wagner, uh, works of Puccini, Tchaikovsky, initiates who knew this teaching. And we're teaching how to elevate the soul from Malkut to the spirit. And so their music conveys that path and can teach your consciousness something valuable. It also elevates the heart. And you can learn to transmute energy while listening in ecstasy to Beethoven especially. Yeah, so if that fire is not, ex- if it's expelled, then it's expelled. But if it's conserved and not transformed, you, it'll develop a lot of problems. But there's no harm in transmuting. And actually, transmutation is the natural way for the body to exist. It's abnormal for us to be, have the energy from, be, uh, really be expelled in the manner that it is. Because that's common for animals. Animals procreate in that manner. But angels don't. So if you want to follow the path of an angel, you have to learn to engage with sex as an angel would. How do you, but you can't, the problem is like, even like Frank Mike, or I try to mention this to other people, then they automatically call you, oh, you're racist against, you know, gays and this thing. This is all new to me. Like, even, I Garen could attest to this. Like, I was like, no, that's just the way they're born. And, you know, we didn't, no one ever has this knowledge of that that is a degenerative, you know, it's not. It belongs to animals, but you know, I don't ju- we don't judge anybody here because well, if we point our finger at someone, we have our thumb pointing to God saying, look at me, and I have three fingers pointing at me for my own faults. So, but homosexuality, oh, is, homosexuality is condemned in all religions. So it's not something that you can f- practice if you want to unite with your inner spirit, your inner Christ. Because okay. man and woman, Jahava, works in a matrimony. So to members, to members of the same sex can't create a life. Same thing physically and spiritually. So it's a matter of uh, as above, so below. Just, just to add to that, I think it was Dion Fortune and Gareth Knight, who was a prominent occultist, he wrote that well, the polarities are the same. It's like a charge. It, it repels, really. It's not naturally. It's either positive or the feminine. No, I, I, I agree. I'm saying, you know, as far as... But now they, with all with this, you know, the, the liberal movement, well, it's, you know, it's, that's their thing. It's like, you know, do it on 
And so they, they, they have their beliefs and, you know, it's their way of thinking. What can you do? So, but change it. It's part of, but it really, like, I sent out an email this week because I, I was, like, caught up with some of the stuff. But, like, I, I'm really learning stuff that I never knew, which I always thought, like, the seven deadly sins and, like, running amok and, and all of it, just pure self-indulgence right. is really what's ruining. It's not politics, it's not this, it's not that. It's really that what happened in the 60s and what's happening now. Ego. Pride is just, yeah, pride leads to all of it. Is really what's ruining the world, and now when you explain that to people, oh, now you're into religion, and now all of a sudden, and this and that. People only have their concepts, preconceived notions of what spirituality is, and they may they may have certain traumas associated with a certain upbringing that make them repulsed to uh, esotericism specifically. But uh, we always respect the will of others, such as uh, Prophet Muhammad taught in the Quran. He said that uh, there is no coercion in religion. You simply, if you want to offer someone this knowledge, you can. And if they don't accept it, it's their business. Right, right. And don't worry about it. Muhammad was very concerned about the black magicians he was trying to teach in Arabia at that time. And he, the Lord said to his inner being, said to him, you're not a watcher over them. You give the knowledge and they, do what, they work with it, great. If not, it's their business. That's what uh, the Quran teaches. And it says, the Quran is very beautiful. It says, don't worry about people who are not believers. Muminin in Arabic. Mumin, Mayim, people who work with the waters. And the symbol of Islam, to submit to God, to enter that narrow doorway that leads to heaven, is to submit through Islam, which is where you get the word peace, Salam. So you find peace through submission to God by working with the moon, the crescent moon of Yasod, and the star of Venus, love, which is a matrimony. Symbol of the alchemical teaching. So you can give the knowledge, and if you want, if they benefit, great. If they don't, it's their business. You know, don't have to concern yourself with people who don't want to change. If they don't want to, it's, it's on them. Mm-hmm. So in an ancient time, when this knowledge was given only secretly, there was certain excuses made that, well, they didn't know any better. But now we're in the era of Aquarius. You can look on our website, gnosticteachings.org. And, or chicagognosis.org as well, and you find the knowledge is given openly. So people have access to this teaching now in a way that is unprecedented. So there's no excuse anymore. But you do what you can. And don't, don't fret over them. Any other final questions? I have one about the transmutation. Um, recently I sealed myself back up. Um, but I find that I'm having Well, the energy, when you transmute it, that fire gives you light. And the best, um, the most reliable way to know that you're transmuting, right, is if you're gaining not physical quality, but psychological. You have more insight into your anger, your fear, your pride, lust, desire, etc. And you're seeing your mind as it is. Because when you work with that fire and that, that waters, you create light and life. You start to become more sensitive. You understand how certain habits are negative. Not just physical, but psychological. And uh, you can gain a better sense of equanimity and compassion, too. The one thing that I've, I've been learning in a similar situation is every little thing counts. Like what you pay attention to. 
Exactly. Every little thing, like your, whether it's on the TV, what you listen to, what you read, what you know, whatever you, you pay attention on the internet. It's not just a, you know, you know that one thing. It's just it's every tiny moment. Because you keep it, you you feed your soul with the impressions you give it, whether in books, movies, television, um, and practice especially. So feed your mind with and your heart with good impressions, such as, you know, good music. That's from masters specifically, especially the European classical tradition has a lot. But you can find a lot of indigenous music too from Tibet, which is very common and popular now, which you can listen to too. Aztecs, Maya, etc. But the best way to feed your soul is in meditation. You know, learn what you're feeding your consciousness with and reflect on your own uh, psyche every day. To learn more about the knowledge covered in this lecture, we invite you to study the books available through Glorian Publishing or GnosticTeachings.org. You can also view free online courses, lectures, transcriptions, and articles available at ChicagoGnosis.org. All of this is made possible by the support of listeners like you. Have you benefited from this knowledge? Help others by making a tax-deductible donation at chicagognosis.org. We thank you for listening. We hope that these lectures aid you in developing your complete and divine potential. May all beings be happy. May all beings be joyful. May all beings be in peace. Thank you.